Man Overboard, 50 Ain't Nothing But a Number, Yo. Sponsored by The Wolf's Pack. America's by invitation only men's network, friendship, and support group. Where the one become many, and the many become one. Here, they put the man back in human. I mean, I'm not looking for any type of sexual relationships with a man, but I found that it was a challenge uh, approaching men. I mean, if you think it's hard approaching women, man, you got to try to approach guys. <laughs> if you're a guy, it's it's off the chain, man. Man overboard. Fitty ain't nothing but a number, yo. The podcast for men that jumped, slipped, or were thrown overboard. We're here to get you back to shore. Mike Checker, Mike Checker, check the mic, yo. Hey, hey, welcome everybody to Man Overboard. Uh, Fitty ain't nothing but a number, yo. Hosted by myself, Language Pearl. Uh, The purpose of this podcast is really, uh, I guess, uh, egotistically to talk about my life. Uh, and the times that I found myself either overwhelmed, overboard, and the resources that either I use or that were lacking. Uh, the ultimate goal is really to uh, walk myself through this process and be an example to other people, who, other men specifically, who are struggling uh, in their life with either the current situation or life goals, connecting with other men. So it, it's kind of been an interesting walk here. I attempted to start this podcast about three months ago. So I bought my interface, computer interface, which everybody says I need it. You know, you need the interface. So you connect the mic to the computer. I bought, I had a set of Bose noise-canceling headphones, but they were picking up some background noise. So I needed to order a set of studio headphones. Uh, then I needed to get a, a commercial mic so that I could start recording. So it took me about two months to get all this various pieces of equipment. And then... Uh, once I had the equipment, it took me another, I guess, a couple of days to locate some software, but it took me the most time, probably about a month and a half, to try to figure out how to use the software. Uh, all the software that I used was not really intuitive. Uh, it was a little bit of struggle trying to figure out kind of how to get the recordings, how to get the sound card to work. And, um, so it looks like I finally got a little understanding of, of how the system works. So now we can really talk about the podcast itself. So when I thought about the podcast, I really was thinking how to make it a perfect podcast, how to have the perfect equipment, how to have the perfect speech, have everything set up so it went smoothly and perfectly. But the more I started really going on YouTube and and surfing the web and looking around, it seems that everybody said, you know, you really just need to get started. You need to put your podcast out there to get started because, you know, guess what? Nobody's listening to your first ones anyway, so it's really your chance to go out there and find your voice and find out what makes things what things work for you and, and how to make them better for the people your audience or your community uh, let me let me rephrase that so I don't really believe that my goal is to create an audience I believe my goal is really to create a community uh, as the podcast says this is really about men overboard and overboard can mean anything it can mean really emotionally overboard just some things in your life that are really stressing you out and Beyond your ability to cope, it can mean financially overboard. It can mean socially, socially, economically, uh, professionally. Uh, I started looking back on my life, and you know, it's kind of strange. I really was looking for 
like who were the mentors in my life? Who were really the male role models? And then, um, surprisingly, I, I really couldn't think of a lot of people. I had some men that did come into my life, and they kind of helped to point me in a direction. But from a consistent, consistent basis, when I started thinking about if I had any specific men that I could call or lean on if I had a really difficult time, and they could be a resource to me, man, the answer came up, bupkis. I mean, nothing, nada. And I, I can't really think that I'm the only man out there like that. Um, I guess my strongest male connections I made probably in the military. I went to one year of college as a freshman, but really didn't come back to my first year away from home. I then lost my father, so I joined into the military. And it was a really close-knit community. I was in a submarine four or five years. So you kind of learn and have to depend on people. So you make some pretty strong bonds and pretty lasting relationships, at least uh, while you're in the service. Uh, the problem is, specifically in the Navy, uh, you are transferred to different locations, so it's hard to, to keep those bonds. And so I found out as I grew older that I really well equipped to make male friends. You know, it's kind of a weird thing, um, especially for a straight guy. I mean, I can't speak for men who all have alternative lifestyles, but for a straight guy, yeah, it was really tough. If it's not around sports or if it's not really around, you know, hunting for women, and that's how kind of young single guys view it, then it was really hard to have any meaningful connections with other men. Obviously, we, we don't, never talked about feelings and emotions. I mean, that's kind of taboo. Um, we just kind of talked in, in sports metaphors about how we're feeling struggles. and um, But this this really didn't prepare me for my later years in life when I, I found that I really wasn't so actively involved in team sports. And then I realized it was really much more difficult to make that connection, to make a connection with men uh, such as myself without them being suspicious of like ulterior motives. Like, hey, why is this guy being friendly? Uh, why is this guy approaching me? You know, that kind of thing. So as I started to get older, I really it really hit me, man, you know, there's not, for me anyway, there really wasn't a lot of ways and a lot of resources to meet, you know, I guess guys like myself who really need male friendship. And, and you know, that's it. I mean, I'm not looking for any type of sexual relationships with a man, but I found that it was a challenge uh, approaching men. I mean, if you think it's hard approaching women, man, you got to try to approach guys <laughs> if you're a guy. It's it's off the chain, man. We're talking about uh, as a guy approaching other guys, and when guys approach me, even even though I'm looking at looking at making friends and understanding the need for friendship, in the back of my head, I'm still suspicious of them. So I'm saying that if a guy who who understands the importance of making friendships and seeking male friendships is suspicious of guys that are approaching him, then you know, God help us for <laughs> it's just. It's a, it's a trip, yo. So I came up with the idea, really, that, to do the podcast. Because, like I said before, there, there's got to be other guys like myself, really, who really need to form male friendships. Uh, I, le I learned, I guess, I guess I knew it before my divorce, but certainly after my divorce, that, that the women are the social, generally are the social calendar bearers. And so they usually make the social connections with the wives and then the husband just kind of go along like luggage. Uh, and so when I 
when we separated or divorced, consequently, my wife, she kind of took all the friends. You know, I, I, um, I got my Honda Fit, and uh, my, my ex-wife got the house and all the friends. Uh, I'm being cavalier. That's not, you know, that's not fair. Uh, but so she, she, she made those relationships, and she, she nurtured them and grew them. So uh, it was only natural that really uh, – people say they don't take sides, but I, I personally think they do. But it was only natural that she would continue in, in those friendships. But then I started, you know, when I got my house and started living alone, man, it's just so easy to to stay isolated. Uh, it's very easy as a man to uh, to not foster any social connections to whatever social connections you might have had to let them kind of wither, um, especially, uh, I guess, for myself, I have a I have a reasonably large enough house. I have two TVs. I mean, so you can find all these diversions to um, to male friendship and male companionship. It doesn't really hit you until, uh, I guess, one day when you realize um, you're going through something, you're overboard or, or you're adrift, and you're really wanting to have somebody that you can speak to man-to-man. Um, uh, my ex-wife, she was my best friend, but... We couldn't talk. I couldn't talk to her the way I would talk to a man, um, because we're, we're coming from different perspectives on both relationships, uh, how we view emotions, um, just the whole sexual nature. I mean, I mean, I personally think that men do think differently sexually um, than women. I, I can't speak for women, but I know that men uh, have a tendency to compartmentalize sex, and they can separate um, the sex from the intimacy of sex. I really, like I said, I started looking around, and it was kind of sad, really, when you think about it, um, at the the relationships that I, that I have with men. I guess it, you know, I don't want to psychoanalyze myself and put myself on the couch and, and at some point uh, end up with my thumb in my mouth in the fetal position. But for me, yeah, it goes back to my dad. I mean, the relationship I had with my dad, it was not a really healthy relationship. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic. Uh, he, he was abusive earlier in his uh, he was a domestic abuser earlier in his life uh, before I came along but uh, I was told by you know my siblings Um, so and and I think it goes back to his father as well I mean his family he was uh, he was sent to live with um, his grandmother and uh, I don't know get the whole story some people say uh, they didn't have enough resources to take care of him other people say that he was just really kind of a, a tough troubled child but anyway so those relationships, those male relationships were not fostered uh, with him or nurtured and, or, or, and grew. So consequently, uh, when I came along, I was the last in the line of six. And uh, uh, I think my father, you know, he when he met my mom and they started having babies and got married, I don't think he was ready for fathership. Uh, cert- I don't think he was ready for marriage. I think it was kind of one of those things. My mom was... Uh, a teenager or a very young person and it was kind of a first experience and then um, like I said I, I said before six children can, can change your, your trajectory in life or your dreams and ambitions so we came along and really he couldn't really connect with us he was more of a person that um, hung out in the streets uh, it's kind of a term we use where I grew up meaning that he wasn't really um, a father figure in the home Mostly, uh, I just remember him for discipline. But I think he, he there was some 
there was some challenges or opportunities, uh, opportunities now, everything's an opportunity. So there were some challenges for him growing up uh, since he didn't have a very good male role model for him to be uh, a male role model. And uh, I guess what I was looking for and what he was capable of giving were very different things. Um, I wanted more of a father who could be more of a mentor and uh, more of a leader. And uh, I, I don't think he was quite prepared for that. So uh, I, I couldn't accept him for the person that he was because he wasn't the person that I needed him to be. And so, you know, you go 20 years later uh, with some therapy and, and we learn to move past those things. Um, so I, I was in my young, I was a young man in my 20s. So yeah, I kind of carried a lot of animosity towards him. But I say this to say in a nutshell that that relationship, man, that's followed me my entire life. Uh, my my inability to 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 trust men or to to really to uh, to open myself up to men and have sincere men friends, I, I can probably I'm pretty sure trace back to my relationship with my father. Uh, that relationship um, was never really strengthened so that I I could see men as a resource. Uh, I guess I mostly just saw them as companions and, and competitors. That's that's always been a challenge for me. I could talk about my dad all day and uh, the things that, how we weren't there for each other. Um, yeah, my dad was, was alcoholic, and the only time he could really express himself was when he was drinking. And so I, I kind of took that as a sign that, that he didn't love me. So when he would be drinking and needed needed reassurance and I would be the opposite end right so I would kind of be rejecting and and kind of hard on him and then when I needed uh some reassurance and and support when he was sober then you know he would be the same way so you can see man that's like just um you know that's just like the framework for some really dysfunctional relationships and so I got to the point where I didn't really uh trust guys emotionally you know I was in the military, so you have to trust them from a physical standpoint where your safety is concerned. But you, from an emotional standpoint where you can be vulnerable, then, yeah, you don't trust them. And and so what, what happens with that is that later in life, if you can't trust them, if you can't trust someone, then you can't open up to them. And then when you're in your crisis period, so when you're overboard uh, or adrift, uh, you got no resources uh, to help. So I'm going to talk about my, my moms. So... Uh, I, I was a mama's boy. I grew up in the, I won't tell you my life story about growing up, but I, I grew up in troubled times. I grew up in a depressed, economically depressed neighborhood. I, I guess we would call it the ghetto. That's what we called it back then. Uh, in an area called the bottom in West Philadelphia. And I was the youngest of six kids. And during my growing up period, there was a lot of gang violence. I mean, there wasn't, there was territorialism, but not so much for uh, drugs and money, just for the sake of uh uh, poor African-American males who really uh, sought to, to stake out their claim to a, sp a specific piece of America where if you cross certain boundaries and, you know, you'd be, you know, be assaulted or I guess, you know, back in the day we'd say you got jumped. But uh, my mom, I, I was a bit sensitive, I guess, as the baby, you know, I guess I was spoiled uh, because by the time I came along, they certainly had more resources available from my from a parent's standpoint, then when my sister, my older sister came along, my mom was always very nurturing. Um, 
very supportive, very encouraging, and that that continued all, all my life from a child into my adult years, through my, um, you know, my grown up thirties and forties, and and to my fifties when she passed away, uh, in my mid fifties. But my mom was, um, she was my, uh, she was my, my anchor, uh, my anchor on the planet. So when you know, I could always go back to her, talk to my mom about anything. Uh, you know, we would do, I would go pick her up from North Carolina when I was in Washington. And we would drive for eight, six or eight hours and we'd be talking the whole time about everything you could mention. Um, so when my mom passed away, that really kind of uh, cast me adrift. So that happened in my 50s. But as I say in the podcast, 50 ain't nothing but a number, yo. That, that can happen to any stage of your life when you, when you find yourself adrift. But so I found myself adrift, and then that's really when I started to look at my life. I looked at my marriage and uh, was thinking, is this really where I, I want to be? Is this really where I need to be? I started looking at my professional life. Is this really what I want to do? Is this really where I want to be? And so uh, that's when it really, really hit me that I didn't have any resources. I didn't have any male resources I could reach out to to say, hey, you know, is this typical? Is this atypical? Um, what am I going through? It's, it's, um, it's, I felt it was more than a midlife crisis. It wasn't like I felt I needed to go out there and sleep with young women or, or buy a new car. It was really more about kind of looking at my life and understanding where I was with my life or what I was doing with my life. Um, if I was moving in the right direction, there was certainly some spirituality involved. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a Christian, uh, not that that should mean anything to anyone other than myself, but uh, I, I look for some guidance from authority much higher than myself on on a much more spiritual plane. So I wasn't really getting the the, the feedback on that. I wasn't really God wasn't really helping me out. He was kind of a little silent, and so I felt like I was going through this thing all alone. And that's when it really, like I said, I really started hitting me, man. Like, dude, you don't have any dudes in your life, yo. Uh, you don't have any friends you could reach out to and, and really talk to and, and kind of see if you're grounded or if you're just totally whacked. And so I started thinking, you know, I can't be the only one going through this. It's got to be other men who go through these periods when they're in crisis or when they're overboard. And they got to really be looking to, to see who is there available for me that I can reach out to that can stabilize me or or that I can talk to to see um if I need to seek some professional help, I mean, because at that stage, if you're if you're a person like myself who really is uh, just dependent upon themselves, and uh, I tell my wife, my my three best friends are me, myself, and I, and they say that you're the sum of all your friends. Well, that pretty much sums it up for me because I'm all my friends together. So for good or bad, I, I am who I am. I'm it, and so um, that really started me thinking and looking to see. Hey, you know, I got I to do something here because this is not really working. Um, I went through a period where um, this is the spiritual deep. This is the spiritual jump where the where you jump the shark. Um, it's not a spiritual podcast, but the spirituality is, is a major part of who I am. So let me go back a little bit. So I, I lived in California for in San Francisco, the Bay Area, into my mid forties. And so I was really struggling, you know, kind of where is my life? Where am I? What am I doing? Where am I going? What am I supposed to be? Like, who am I supposed to be? 
So I started, started, you know, I started praying. Uh, nothing funny about that. So I started praying, seeking God's wisdom and guidance. And I got to tell you, yo, it took uh, took 15 years before he kind of he picked up the phone. So I don't, I can't speak for other people, but man, it, it was a challenging period. And so uh, when it, when he spoke to me, I had been praying, you know, hey, let, I need some direction in my life. I need some guidance. What do you want me to do? Uh, you know, my earlier life was really devoted for my, to myself, doing what I wanted to do. And I felt like, okay, let's see if we can help some other people, be a resource to other people. So I was like, you know, God, what do you want me to do? So the answer I got was, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep pouring blessings in you. I need you to be a blessing to other people. And I always thought of myself as kind of like a rock, kind of an island, an island onto myself. And then, uh, so, so God revealed to me, he says, you know, I don't need you to be an island. You know, I, I need you to be the river, right? I, I need you to pass on these blessings. And to be honest, I had been an island, but I, I felt, I felt like I was drowning in his blessings. You know, I, um, and that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I felt that, uh, like there were so many ideals about things I could do and, and opportunities I could have. There were so many of them that they really were like drowning me. I, I couldn't make a decision. It was just, it was like having too many choices. So again, uh, you know, <laughs> going back to God is, is, uh, yeah, he said, uh, yeah, I, I, and this took another year, right? Because what he said is, I need you to be a blessing to others, right? I mean, well, what does that mean, right? <laughs> I mean, really, you know, help me out there, Jesus. So he says, I, I need you to be a blessing to others. So I was like, all right. So I couldn't figure that out. I know what that meant. But I know what it did mean. It, it, mean, it meant to me that I needed to start, start reaching out. Uh, I needed to make myself available. If there were some things that, opportunities that came up that made me uncomfortable, I did them just because I didn't know. I didn't know if that was the thing that, that God was leading me to. or um, So, um, like I said, I did some things that are very uncomfortable for me because I'm very introverted. So, I, you know, sharing events where you talk about emotions and feelings to total strangers or really just start speaking to everybody that I see, you know, just saying hi, smiling, which, again, I'm from Philadelphia and, and West Philly, and growing up, you don't smile at a lot of people. Uh, so I really started doing this, hoping for some guidance. So it took even after that, it took me a year. <laughs> took like a year. <laughs> you know, it's been a struggle with God. I mean, I can't speak for other people, but it's been a struggle. So at some point, it was revealed to me, yeah. So you, you know, my whole life I've been an island, and so it was revealed to me that yeah, you don't need to be an island, right? Because you need to be the river. You need to you need to pass along my blessings because islands can be overwhelmed by by the river, right? So I need you, when I pass on things to you, I need you to pass on things to other others. So that took, to, to get that clarity of, of mind, took me like a year. I'm not going to even go there. So it took me a year to get that clarity of mind, yo. But I finally did get it. And so then uh, things started to make a little bit more sense. So um, like I said, I had all these ideas in my head and what to start, you know, and to start like a tiny house movement, I get involved in that, I wanted to start a a men mentoring group. I want to start a, a diversity, cultural diversity group. Like all these things started getting in my mind, but then the whole podcast thing came into my mind. And it's like, okay, I'm going to do the podcast first and I'm going to see what springs from that. So all my experiences that can be recorded, uh, and those are include like when I start dating or when I start seeing someone, um, when I 
uh, go to physical exams that I think men might benefit from, such as a prostate exam. So if my doctor will let me record it, you know, I'll record my prostate exam and you guys can, can hear it as I'm going through it. Just to let you know that these things are not outside of normalcy. They're, they're, part, of, they're part of the aging process and they're part of what men need to do. Um, I've been involved in healthcare for over 25 years and I know from, you know, I don't want to throw data and numbers because everything now is data and numbers. If you don't believe me, then try to go a day without giving your, your birth date, your social security number, or your address. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I want men, I want to just, and so I know that men from a healthcare standpoint are sorely lacking. Even the way you, you provide healthcare to men is different than the way you can provide it to women. Just because of this whole socialization of men and, and how you're supposed to be strong and Ah, don't get me started. It's just, it's just ridiculous. So the podcast is really kind of ultimately going to be the, the jumping point off from all the things that I do. So if I do get involved in a uh, cultural diversity festival, which I'm serious about because I've been uh, a big fan of cultural diversity my whole life. Uh, and if I get involved in the, the men mentoring uh, brotherhood friendship uh, network, it'll be through the podcast. Uh, so. As I said, everything that I'm going to do, uh, that I'm going to push myself to do, I'm going to do it through the podcast or a part of the podcast. So whatever I can record and put on the podcast, I'm certainly going to do it. If there are some health issues that I go through that I think men can benefit from, uh, I'm certainly going to put those on there. As I start to speak to men more about health care, because like I said, I've been in healthcare for 26 years as a registered nurse. I uh, also work, worked in the hospitals. Um, worked in drug development, worked in insurance and Medicare, Medicaid. Uh, I think I can be a resource. And I know that for, from, from a clinical standpoint that men are much more are much worse at uh, self-care than women are. And the message really about the podcast is, is really I, I want to be a resource to men. Now, I, I understand that it's not, you know, the women may get some benefit from this, but uh, I'm going to be speaking to men because I – I'm going to be speaking out of need, right? The whole podcast was created because it was based on a need that I had, that I, a need that I saw. So if you're looking around and you're realizing that you don't have a mentor, then don't don't worry about the fact that you don't have a mentor. Be a mentor. Uh, and so that's kind of where we are here. That's kind of the whole impetus for the podcast. It's really, I looked around when I was in, and I don't want to say crisis. I, I like the term overboard. When I was overboard, and I looked around for resources, and I found myself adrift in the sea, and like a life sea, and I couldn't see shore, and I couldn't see anything. Uh, one of the things that came to me, like I said, this whole Jesus thing, man, it's been, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been very interesting, uh, you know. Uh, so I. I won't get into <laughs> I won't get into that. Uh, a lot of people their their walk with Jesus has been pretty straight and pretty clear. But as I said, if I could understand the will and nature of God and and what He was doing, then I probably wouldn't need Him because I could certainly do it myself. But uh, it's it's been an interesting journey. Again, uh, this is Language Pearl with Man Overboard. Biddy ain't nothing but a number, yo.